Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. I've got kids. I have three daughters. I know how I know how much parenting matters in our household. I know that it matters to me that. My kids are respectful. It matters to me that my kids understand uh, compassion and empathy. And and it also matters to me that they they understand how great they are. That they grow up with confidence, especially girls. I have three daughters. So I'm always interested in good parenting stories. And I have to tell you, when I saw Mateo Uyunglele committing to the University of Oregon... I went, ooh, I want to talk to his dad because I know how involved he was in developing these kids and kind of showing them the way. And then when DJ Uyunglele ended up in the portal and transferring to Oregon State, I went, this makes total sense. You're going to have Mateo and DJ about 40 miles away from each other I, I figure their dad, Big Dave, could get a get a condo like halfway between, you know, somewhere to crash between home games during the college football season. He's a great story. I started researching him, reading what was written about him, listening to interviews that he did with uh, other podcasters and other things. And I was like, I got to get Dave on the show. I reached out to him. Uh, he was uh, ready and willing. And so joining us now. Dave Uyunglele, the father of DJ and Mateo, joining us. How are you, Dave? How you doing? Doing well, man. I'm good. I, give us an idea. How, you know, you're gonna are you gonna spend some time in Oregon with two kids playing on uh, two teams here? Um, of course. I think it's. Uh, I'm excited. You know, just to know that I'm going to be there. You know, both of my kids are just. You know. 30, 35 minutes apart from each other, just to be able to watch their process. And, you know, very excited for DJ too, you know. You know, it, it feels like, you know, it worked out well. They're they're that far apart. Was that something you guys had talked about, or did that just develop on its own? It, it just developed on its own, you know, um, after DJ's. Um, got in the portal, you know, at the end of the day, we thought about what was the next place for him. Um, nothing else matters. What did matter was we had to go to a place where Diesel was needed, you know, and to a great offensive coordinator or office, a uh, head coach, a great situation that kind of catered towards his skill set, right? So Oregon, I mean, when you just look at what they've done, I mean, when I heard, I watched the game when they beat Oregon. Uh, they threw the ball, I think, six times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that, that right there, just to put the perspective on, that is a great school with some great culture that knows how to 
maximize the talent that they have there. So could you imagine if you put the DJ in a situation like that? And they want the type of uh, they want a pro set. It's the type of uh, offense that will get my son ready for the next level. You know what I mean? So it just made so much sense for DJ to come to Oregon State. Dave, you've played such an important role in raising these kids and in helping them develop and improve. And I watched some of the videos of you working with the kids and even some of the stories about hearing some of their experiences when they were young. Um, you know, where did you learn that from or where did you get that from or what influences did you have? Because I'm a parent too. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm making it up as I go. Uh, where did you pick up the development part? Uh, honestly, man, I got to, I got to give credit to the mom, right? You know, just just to knock that out right now. I couldn't do this without her. Um, she was there every step of the way with me. It was a team effort, and we did a great job in raising these kids. But honestly, as I was just, I saw the talent early, and I've been through playing football, you know, going through my little experiences and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, I kind of knew the power of social media and just try to use that tool and I, all of it is like what you just said. I put it together with my mom, just on my own. I didn't, there wasn't those uh, books and I didn't look on YouTube. I just did whatever I thought that a parent would want to do with their kids. Right. And I was blessed with a job that allowed me to do that. And I, I just understood sometimes I looked at DJ's skill set when he was uh, uh, six, seven, eight years old. And I knew he was a little bit above, and you know, from, from his regular skill set, I just knew he needed to be um, challenged, right? So instead of playing, he was in third grade. I had him playing with six and seven graders. It was tough. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he, he hung with, you know, like he did well, but he was tough. But it allowed him to. To, to gradually get better and better as he got older. He just played with older kids, and and it was all just I, – I, it was just led I, – I wish I could say somebody showed me the way. All of it was just um, just by experience, just going out there and trying new things. And, you know, um, eventually you see what works and you see what doesn't. But I know – I know um, that's how I did it, sir. I, I did it. And, and through, the, through, it, through it now, I can actually give advice and help other kids and their family now through the same process, that they don't have to go through the same hoops that I had to jump through. But what really, honestly, what really motivated me was my experiences when I was a young kid. Um, I was a kid that was a dropout in high school. I was a very talented kid but never could get the grades to play. You know, when I mean when I was athletic, I put out a video when I was 380 pounds dunking a ball. But you should have seen me at 325 pounds. I was doing 360 dunks, right? So I was very athletic at a young age, but just didn't have the resources that my kids had. So that's that's what I was, that's what I'm talking about. That's what motive, motivated me to maximize whatever my kids had. I made sure that I they were training with the best trainers, um, they didn't have time in between of their workouts that they could go and just, you know, I mean, I allowed them to be kids, but I, I, you know that word. We didn't want to force them. I used to change that word force into guide. <laughs> I just try to guide my kids into into what they're doing nowadays, you know what I'm saying? And that 
that definitely took a lot of uh, what the mom and I did together as a team. She was she was the boss at home. She was the uh, she was the uh, base of the family. She was, she was the rock of our family. All I did was um, I had she gave me the, she allowed me to do what I needed to do with these outside of the house. Right, go to these training, meet these coaches, um, you know, and stuff like that. Just to to just to be to be wherever he's at today. One of the cool stories I heard, and you brought this up. You know, you had DJ in like fourth grade playing against sixth graders because of his size, right? Because in Pop Warner, you play yeah. by weight. He he was a giant kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did he do? How did he manage that, being young and less mature than maybe some of the other teammates? It, it, that That's where, why you see the kids you see, you know, that could handle that pressure at Clemson, that they could put a mic in his, in, in his mouth and ask him those, those kind of questions that you really don't want to be asked, but, you know, I saw that in him when he was fourth grade. So in the middle of the game, his first game, he's in third grade playing against six and seven graders, three and four years older than him. They're, they're beating up on him, sacking him. And, you know, I truly believe any other kid would have ran out quick. Well, I looked in his eyes and I said, DJ, are you okay? I see tears coming down. And he tells me, Dad, I'm fine. To me, that's when I knew that this kid, you know, it's not just not like a normal. He, he he had that 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 heart in him to play and not to get afraid, but he knew it was going to get better, and he just wanted to try. That's how young he was back then, and I saw it in him, you know. And um, if I did, if he didn't show that to him, I definitely would have put him off the team and put him and tried something else, maybe play flag football. But he showed that uh, that leadership. He showed that 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 that, you know, courage, that courage that he had inside to hang in there and still try his best. We're talking to Dave Uyungale, the father to DJ and Mateo. Uh, look, I look at Mateo, and he's a five-star guy as a tight end, if he's a tight end. He's a five-star guy yeah. on the defensive line, just a sensational athlete. Is there a shot he plays some offense at Oregon? Is, you know, we saw DJ Johnson do a little bit of that. Yeah, well, you know what, um, I, they, they both, they recruit, it was funny, in the beginning, they all recruited him as a DN. Then eventually USC switched up and said, we want him as a tight end. And then Oregon talked about, you know, we might want to throw him in some red zones or, you know, some, some packages. I, I would think you should. Um, the kid can do windmill dunks at 6'6", 270 pounds, right? So... This is a freak athlete that you have playing on your offense. Like this year playing in a, in a championship against Modern Day, this is the number one, number two team in the country. The first time we played Modern Day, we didn't use Mattel at all. We, we thought we could just leave him on defense. The second time we played him for the, for the CIF and the national championship and the state championship, um, definitely had these skills with Mattel. And he played a huge part because he caught a touchdown that, that, that gave us the, the lead. And then he caught a first down, a throwback to, to get the first down to run the clock out. So I don't know. You know, I, for me, I would I would hopefully Oregon would use him at, at offense. But, you know, I don't want to tell the coach anything. Like like, like all the coaches that, that get my kids, I tell them, these are your kids now. Take care of them. I'm not, no, I'm not a daddy that calls you, hey, why are you not playing my son? I never called Dabble once. I never called Streeter once at Clemson because – 
to me, my sons have to learn how to deal with, with pressure. They have to learn how to deal with on their own. Their parents, we did our job. Me and the mom raised them to this point. So we can't, I'm not here to fight your battles anymore. God got you. God gave you the ground to use your mind on how to, you know, maneuver and, and, and handle these situations. So, you know, for Mattel, whatever, whatever coaches have for him, hey, I'm there to support, and I, I like his chances there. Mattel's been a fan since he was a young kid. You see that, and um, I'm so excited for both of my kids. I think the state of Oregon is excited because uh, at or you know at Oregon Mateo's going to get to jump in. You're going to see a bowl game tonight, and you know you'll be able to see that he's going to play right away at Oregon. And DJ is like you said, he is needed at Oregon State. Um, yeah. You know, I saw that video by the way of you with the drop step dunk. You, how much did you weigh in that video? I was 380 pounds, and I'm about six three and a half. I always tell people I'm six four, but I'm like six three and a half. That's incredible, and, and you know, of, yeah. of the of the two kids, were were you more Mateo or more DJ as an athlete? Well, I'm gonna just tell you, we were always more Mateo, a DJ because he's the oldest. Mateo didn't really turn turn that switch till eighth grade. I all I, I this whole thing with Mateo is a surprise to us because we thought he's just a little brother that's just trying to follow follow his, his older brother, right? And he didn't show much as a young kid. He looked like he was just going through the motions. He was a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. He did a great, but he, you know, DJ was, DJ was the first kid in California history to have multiple D1 offers. You know, that's the type of stuff he was doing. You know, so we just didn't see it in the tail. Until his eighth grade year, he had a growth spurt, and he just decided he wants to work out even more. And, and it was just... It, the reason why he makes a great tight end when nobody knows is as DJ, when he was 12, 13, 14, 20, um, he really didn't have a receiver. So guess who had to get up and play the receiver part? <laughs> well, Mateo. So, so yes, yeah, so Mateo just, that's, that's where his talent of becoming a, you know, a receiver kind of started from and just from catching passes from his older brother. We're talking to Dave Uyunglele, father to uh, Mateo and DJ. Um, I got to know about the bodyguard stuff, private security. How did you get, how did you get yeah. into that? Um, um, I don't, I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm not going to tell no lie. Uh, I got on house arrest when I was a young kid. You know, I was one of them young, uh, troubled kids that, you know, but I got on house arrest and house arrest costs about $400 a month. And I, wasn't going to give that burden to my mom and dad, so I went and got into security. And that's how I got into security. I started working in Hollywood and started working all the, the top clubs in Hollywood that had all the celebrities. And then uh, from there, I just had a, had an artist that asked me to come and work for him as his bodyguard. And the rest is history. This is back in 96. It's incredible, and it's an incredible story. I mean, uh, you you talk about what the rest of us don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things in my job people don't know. But what is it in private security that the rest of us don't know that, that you dealt with on a daily basis? Just just their daily living. You know, the, the media just wants to have this perception of what you think the, the artist is. And you know the truth. You're sitting there watching it every day unfold in front of you. 
and you know this person has a heart, this person is caring, but the media has it to be he's a drug addict, he's a gangster, he's a bad kid, and you know the truth, you know what I mean? That's that's some of the stuff that that's really hard when you're working when you're bodyguarding a certain person, your clientele and you go to a bad rack. I really never had a lot of issues with clients that don't listen to what I you know, when I tell them when I give them orders, you know, because I'm protecting their life. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're that serious with our clients, and they know we do a great job. You know, my job is just to make sure his heart keeps ticking. And whatever plans or whatever what we have for the day, we just try to go out as best as we can, pray every day. And, you know, and um, it's, been, it's been great. It's been over about, about 25 years into this. I, I rarely do it now, but definitely have my brothers and cousins that still do it. Well, yeah, that's some of the stuff about, you know, these artists. Some people just don't know the rip, the, the what's really going on. You know, they're just getting the, the information from, from the media. And most most time, it's just not true. Yeah, you get a chance to know these people behind the scenes and know who they really yeah. are. And it's it's probably a lot. It's probably eye-opening. Yeah. Yep. We're, I, I kind of feel it, like. Go ahead. No, it's just, you know, it's kind of cool because you, you get to see things that so many people wish they could see, right? You know, you, you're, you're, you're seeing it every day. You, you know, your, your interactions with these, with, 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 I don't like to call them clients because to me, I treat them as if they're my parents, meaning because they put on food on my table or roof over my head and they took me from my kids, I, I always, my mentality is, what would you do for your parents? That's the same thing I would do for my clients. So I, that's the reason why every client I work for, they fell in love with me. Because I just, I care so much for them, you know. I, I'm a very appreciative person, especially when you're taking care of my kids, you know. So I always, I always treat it as such, you know. It, and it's, you know, it's one thing, I think, when you're guarding, you know, you're, you're on private security for Rihanna or Chris Brown or Meek Mill or somebody, yeah. and you are on high alert. I wonder, can you ever turn that off? Like when you went home and you were just around your kids, were you still kind of private security guy in the back of your mind? Like, I, I would think that's something you don't flip off. I, it, it's a... Uh, it's kind of crazy that you say that because it's it's a natural thing for us Polynesians. It's, it's we always are taking care of people. Um, I'll give you an example. When DJ was a big recruit and went to visit Clemson, they had about six, 700 people right outside of uh, the stadium. And the coaches were trying to get DJ through the, through the crowd. You know, and uh, they, first they allowed the people to do the sign signatures and then but we had to go. And they just didn't know how to, you know, they'd never done it before. So I just jumped right into bodyguard mode. And there's ways, I always say, there's a way you do things. It's in how you do it. You don't have to be disrespectful, but you can be firm and respectful at the same time. So I, I gathered the crew up, and they just followed me through the crowd, and I just walked them all the way through that crowd. And, and, the, and the coaches was like, wow. He looks at DJ and said, man, your dad knows what he's doing. And then DJ tells him, bro, my dad's a bodyguard. This is what he do regularly. <laughs> I love that. Give us one tip that yeah. all of us, all, anybody listening can learn one thing about private security. Give us one tip that you have learned over the years. Well, for private security, uh, 
um, just don't get overwhelmed. Always, you're talking about as a person being a private security or yeah. when they're around private or, security. Or let's just say any of us is in a situation that, that turns sideways. You know, you've learned things. You've been there. You probably stayed yeah. calm when other people were losing it. That's, that's my advice to everyone. Stay calm. Your, your best bet is this, is not to prove a point to people. If, you, if your kid is there and something's going on, you're not there to go and to match whatever is going on there. You're going there to grab your kid and get him out any means necessary. I don't care how, just get him out of there. You know what I mean? You're not there to prove like you're tough. Some of these bodyguards that come and tell me, hey, I can fight, I got red belt, black belt, this and that. That's kind of the last people I want as a bodyguard. A bodyguard should be, the word is de-escalate. That's your job. You're not here to pour a, a gasoline on the fire. You're here to pour water to kill it. You know what I mean? So that's my advice for a lot of parents. If, if anything breaks out, your goal is to stay calm, grab your loved ones, and get out the best way you can. Discreetly, though, you know, making sure no one knows. I don't care where. If you have to go, if there's no way out, find a room. Walk them in a room, hide in a room, stay there. You know, that's, that's basically my, my advice. Dave Uyunglele is our guest, father to DJ and Mateo. DJ heading uh, to Oregon State through the transfer portal. Mateo uh, committing to Oregon State as or Oregon as a freshman. Uh, just a couple questions on the kids. Um, DJ's confidence level. Um, I think it's going to be great for him to get uh, new scenery, new coaching, new system. Where's his confidence level? It's. Uh, I mean, to me, I think it'll be. It'll be. You know. It'll be, uh, I think it'll be, a, it'll be great. I mean, I'm high. His confidence, I mean, he's going to go in there and compete. He's not, he's not coming into a situation. You know, this wasn't our plan to leave Clemson, right? But it happened. So it, it, it may have seemed as if he lost confidence during Clemson, but going into a situation like this where it's, uh, uh, I know DJ's excited. I know he is. I am. I mean, I, I hope my son is excited to be able to go in a situation like this and come in and really compete, you know. Now you really got a chip on your shoulder. you got a reason to come out here and perform. You know, I, I, need this, I need to say this to people. The NIL wasn't, it was not an issue. Like, it's, it wasn't, we didn't look, you know, I told, I told my son, it's not about the bag right now. It's about to go to a place where they need you, and it's about to rewrite what was, you know, what happened in your past. And I want everybody to know I don't hate Clemson at all. I am truly grateful to Dallas, to Coach Streeter, and the coaches up there, and all of the Clemson fans. You know, at the end of the day, this is a good lesson for a lot of people. You may go in there with your plans and being the highest-ranked quarterback or whatever, whatnot, and stuff like this happens. It's what you do when adversity hits you, what really is going to define who you are as a man, as a, as a child, you know, a guy, you know what I mean? This, this is, I, I, I invite this platform for my son to be able to get on this stage and do what he has to do. It, do, it doesn't bother me none. I don't feel any ill will towards Clemson. I got nothing but love. I will always, I post it all the time. Forever will be all in to the Tiger fans. And, you know, I, I see people... 
you know, uh, other fans talk about, you know, the Clemson fans say, say stuff about DJ. What, what people need to know is this. Everyone has the right to have their opinion. And if their opinion doesn't match up with yours and it is disrespectful to my son, I know because I come from an industry where I'm working with clientele who has a lot of fans and songs. I'm telling them, you, you, can't, you can't stop um, trying to reach your goals by worrying about what people think about you. You just have to keep chopping and understand that things are going to be said about you, you know, all around you. You just, you just have to stay focused on what you got to do for you and your, and your development as a person, you know what I mean, as a student, as an athlete. And, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity that DJ has to go to Oregon and, um, you know, to be able to just try his best to help that team win, right? It's not about DJ. It's about DJ coming into a team, Oregon State. So I'm just grateful that Oregon State provided a platform for my son to come and share his talent with a bunch of those guys. Because this is not an eye team. This is a tough sport. So I'm, I'm, my whole thing is I'm praying and hoping for Oregon State to shock the world. I love my son at Oregon. <laughs> you know, Mateo, well, you got four years or three years, Mateo. Uh, you know, come on. You, you're going to be good, Mateo. Oregon, we're going to be good. But next year I'm really rooting for my son, DJ, in uh, Oregon State. I'm definitely, you know, I'm going to be an Oregon fan, so I'm just saying just, just, just in the nature of what 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 he has to go, what he's been going through in his situation, I'm just excited for my son. Yeah, and you know, in the state of Oregon, you're going to find a lot of households who have one kid at Oregon, one kid at Oregon State. That's not unusual. <laughs> so you'll you'll be in good yeah. company. You'll be in good company when you're at games. Dave, before I let you go, uh, Mateo choosing Oregon was it close with USC, or did you know, you know, kind of uh, down the stretch that it was going to be Oregon? My son, Mateo, such a <laughs> this guy. He did not tell anyone. He, he kind of hit a little bit where he wanted to go, but he wasn't all the way, you know. But until the last day, that's the day before he was going to announce his name. He told all of us, and it it was close. All three: USC, um, Oregon, and and Ohio State. He was close to all those coaches. And it was hard for him to call Oregon, I mean, uh, uh, USC coaches and Ohio State. It was hard for him to talk to them and let them know that he made this decision to go to Oregon. And, uh, um, you know, it was – I just loved the way he did it. He was very respectful. And um, he made a great choice. If, 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 if I had to go and – if I had to say – if I had to judge – on what all the coaches did. I, I can tell you Oregon went over and beyond for my son. Not to say that USC didn't or, or Ohio State didn't, but I just have to let the Oregon fans know that Oregon went over and beyond when it, when my son came to his uh, official visit. So I just want them to know I'm very appreciative of what they, what they did. You know. What? When you they say really, over and really over and beyond, is it just is that welcoming? Is that they had bells and whistles? Is it all of it? It's just that they they did their due diligence on really finding out what truly meant, what really meant, what meant, what was important to Mateo. You know, 
I'm going to tell you, Mattel doesn't care about the fancy stadiums and the fancy stuff, like, you know, the stuff they have at Oregon. What Mattel wanted was he wanted people to, to know, what are you going to do with me when you get, when I come there? He wants to know, what is your plan um, uh, development-wise? He told them, school, we obviously know is first. I'm taking care of school, but what are you going to do for me uh, um, in, in the coaching uh, development space? How are you going to get me ready? So they did a great job in that. And then knowing that he loves music, right? I mean, until I just went to one, they took him to two, like, really major studios that they have at at um, at Oregon. Mm. So you know what I'm saying? So th- those are the things that, that – and they, they, you know, they just the, – the little things like the twisty uh, chips from Samoa. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just – you know what I'm saying? I, I got to give give it to them. They, they all, they, you know, just they all three. The three schools did it, but I'm just saying, I, I, I really, I, I just felt as if you know, you know, Oregon, they, they did their thing, man. They, they really did a great job, you know, just showing how much they was they care about Mateo and, and hit what's important to him. Dave, I appreciate you making time for us. Love to get you back on. Maybe when the season starts and you're in town and. Uh, you know, it, I, th- I think it's going to be really fun to you for you to see both kids playing not far from each other in the same conference. Uh, you know, you're going to be a Pac-12 expert by the time this is over. <laughs> yes, sir. And I'm glad you're back in Pac-12. I'm, I'm, I'm a Pac-12 guy, so is, I'm excited just All for right, the Pac-12 engine. Now, Dave, before I let you go, am I getting your last name right, Uyungalale? That's perfect, brother. That is perfect. I won't try that's it again. Perfect. All right. Let you go, no, Dave. That's perfect, Dave. You did a great job. Well, I uh, appreciate you. I've been working on it. Yeah. You take care of yourself. Uh, thank you. Thank you, All brother. Right. There he is. Dave. Big Dave. How about that, Stephen? That's a, that was a great job under pressure by you. <laughs> that's like uh, uh that that's important. You know, a name. You know it's dicey, and you know you don't want to you don't want to butcher somebody's name because it's a respect thing. It was smart to save it till the very end, though. Like not to do yeah. it the very first question. Like, hey, is this how you pronounce it? No, save it to the end just in case you did mess up. He's not thinking yeah. about it the whole time. And I went and I watched a bunch of videos where he was talking, and and he was talking with uh, you know someone else who was Polynesian in one of the videos, and they said Uyunglele, and the key is the lele at the end, because. You can get oo, e, ung, galilei. That's the name. So galilei at the end is the key to that last name. But if you want to be an expert on it, just write down oo, e, ung, galilei. There you go. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.